A buongiorno, beautiful people. Today on the TB podcast, we have smart Gal Sati as we host Beck Grenfell. Before we get to Beck, there's a bit of housekeeping to do. We've had a massive week in Melbourne. Melbourne Cup week, there's always special vibe in the air. But before the races in the public holiday on Tuesday, there were some excellent gigs around the city. Starting with the Day of the Dead party at Porn & Co featuring Rainers on If you, I tell you what, if you weren't there for this one, you missed out. Rainer live playing the Ableton, it was something else. And then he backed it up the following night at Shed 9 as he supported Deborah DeLuca in what was just a really well-run party. Lots of good, clean, fun, sexy people having a great time. How it should be on a, on a public holiday eve. And then, of course, Tuesday was uh, the good old Melbourne Cup. Thursday night, I was lucky enough to be uh, make my debut in the main room at 161 as I followed up from the voluptuous Alora. I'm sorry, Miss Jackson? And uh, that was part of Benny Lawrence's showcase night there for Disco Volante at 161, which was a great fun night again, which uh, went well into Friday morning. And the fun didn't stop as Friday night we had Recovery Collective host Township Rebellion, one of the best melodic techno acts in the world, supported by the great Jiden and Amused, Hands Down and Lee Boy, Jamie Stevens. They all put on a show. Malmo followed up the goods not long after. A great week of techno in Melbourne. Uh, which culminated last night with our good friend Joseph Connor, who helped us out with the uh, the intro theme for this podcast. He had a, a great little set at Circus there, as did Sam and Lumaka and Breton Chan at Tramp Mercy. So it's been a big last eight or nine days in techno. There's heaps more coming up, but for now, let's listen in to the great Beck Grenfell, Bendigo Girl, who popped into the TB podcast studios and we had a bit of a chat about uh, her career as a neuroscientist and how she's related that to being a DJ, how it works with dance movement therapy and how uh, how basically dancing and music can help people with motor neuron disease and Parkinson's. We discussed creating the moment and the awesome uh, event that was Rainbow and the fire that was there and then the Rainbow at Rainbow and all the fun that happens as part of that party how to actually break into the Melbourne scene and also we discuss some of her favourite artists and gigs and what she's got coming up. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks again for downloading. Uh, all the pictures that we discussed during the podcast can be found at trentoff.com slash the-tb-podcast or just go to trentoff.com. There should be the, uh, the links on the homepage or also at the TB podcast uh, at the top. You can also subscribe on iTunes find us on Spotify and also give us a share on the old SoundCloud at Trends on Off. But for now, let's have a listen to the TV podcast, The Techno Beat, featuring Beck Grenfell. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, techno lovers, boys and girls. Thank you for downloading another episode of The Techno Beat, or as we like to call it now, The TV Podcast. Today, very lucky to be joined by the beautiful Beck Grenfell. It's a sunny spring afternoon here in St. Kilda. Beck's just rocked in. She's got the nice, like, light white shirt on, slick grey pants. She's got a smile from ear to ear. Beck Grenfell, for those that don't know, neurophysiotherapist, neuroscientist, researcher. You're a twin. More importantly, you're a techno and house DJ. How are you this morning? 
I'm good. Thanks for thanks for having me, Trent. No worries. So how uh, how did you get here today? I just drove down. I was um got a couple of gig on tonight, so I thought I'd come down and enjoy the sunshine while I can because it's a beautiful day in Melbourne. Today. It is fantastic. Well, thanks for being here. And no what were you pumping in the car on the way down? Um, I was actually just plugging my own um. A, the sound of obscure emotions, new thing. To oh, be yeah. honest, just a bit of uh, just be yeah, a bit more chilled out. And I was like, yeah, that's the first time I've po- popped it on. Actually, listened to it. It's per- first time. So and thought, like the way she just got the first plug in there nicely for the new. Project. <laughs> it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a new plug in. But <laughs> <laughs> I was just exactly what I was playing. Yeah, so I'm a bit more chilled. So I thought I'd wind into the weekend a bit more chilled. Well, if you can't enjoy your own tunes, how's everyone else going? That's exactly right. <laughs> Three quick questions. What's yep. your birthday? Twenty third of February, nineteen ninety three. Uh, and where, where, where are you from? I'm from Bendigo. Of course. As you know. Yeah. And are you the good or the evil twin? Oh, you know I'm the good twin. How do, we, how do we know? <laughs> how do you know? That is the question. Okay, well, I guess the next 45 minutes we're going to find out. So we've got lots of questions that are going to prove if you are good or bad or just mm. plain fun. Okay, so first of all, neuroscientists, mm. can you just... We're deviating about from the music a little bit, but this is going to come full circle. Can you actually will, explain yeah. to the people what that is? neuroscience is in you know a sentence or two I guess well yeah okay so um, I guess neuroscience from from my perspective as in from what I'm doing um, is I've done um, a master's degree in in looking at sort of movement disorders such as Parkinson's disease and so where did you do your degree uh, at La Trobe is that in Bendigo yeah in Bendigo yeah so I did my master's there as part of a physiotherapy degree Mm -hmm. Um, and then I've gone on to specialise in neuro. And so part of my master's was looking at, um, I picked a topic around Parkinson's disease because I was quite interested about, um, particularly the basal ganglia, so the role of the basal ganglia that has to play with Parkinson's disease. So and can you explain what the basal sure, ganglia is? Sure, I can. The basal ganglia is a just a real uh, small group of neurons, I mean, um, nucleuses. So yep. if you're looking at sort of the main ones are the striatum, mm-hmm. um, which is not so one, it's a group of them. And then you've got the substantia niagara mm-hmm. and the subthalamic nucleus. So those main um, nucleuses, uh, they're sort of the fine tuning of the motor system, but they also play a part in the limbic system as well. So okay. if you're thinking about sort of where it's structured in the brain it can also help um, understand where the role is so yes. it's quite deep within the brain so if you think about, about where the brain stem is and yeah. then you look at the pons and medulla just above that yes yeah, so yes i'm just touching my just brain feeling yeah, if i've still got any so we're right in there. sort of in yep. the middle right. right in the middle like cool. sort of between your ears yep. so that's where the basal ganglia are yep. so that's the sweet spot yeah the sweet spot yeah yep. right yep. so yeah so um from there it's sort of a community the basal ganglia's role is it's sort of a um, a double break so as the way I like to think of it so there's the um, the the two main pathways so there's this um, straight pathway and then there's a divergent pathway mm-hmm. so if you're thinking of having a look at your neurotransmitters so um, GABA and glutamine being um, inhibitory neurotransmitters and then dopamine being your excitatory transmitter yeah. um, so the, the GABA and glutamate they sort of, so if you're looking at the two pathways, the first pathway, the primary pathway is only two sections. Okay. So the easiest way, this is quite complex. Yeah, so right. so I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, to, I'm yeah. trying to just squeeze it down, but also make it as sure. understandable as easy as possible. Um, but the, so yeah, the primary pathway is, it's, if you just think about two inhibitory pathways, so it's the GABA and the glutamate. So the two of them together being both inhibitory end up being a positive. So 
if you're a bit more mass-minded like me, just think two negatives equals a positive, so then you actually have an output of something working. Whereas the secondary pathway is three sections, so you have three negative elements ending up being a positive. So you've got the negative and then the negative balancing out to being a positive and then the last negative actually meaning negative. So negative meaning inhibitory, so overall meaning inhibitory. So you've got those two pathways which if um, the main one that plays a role in Parkinson's is the primary one. So when you don't have enough dopamine in the um, basal ganglia, Mm -hmm. then you don't get that pathway happening, so it's not as strong, so you don't get that excitatory pathway that then goes on to talk to the thalamus, and then the thalamus then talks to the primary motor cortex and then gives you that yeah. motor response. So um, the the lack of dopamine, mm-hmm. like what causes that? If we knew it- what caused the, the onset of lack of dopamine, we'd be able to cure Parkinson's oh, essentially. Right. So, in other so words, people need to eat more gugs at festivals. Yeah, gonna, basically. Get Parkinson's. Is that the point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to build up their dopamine levels. Yeah. yeah. So not quite, but you can get there. Yep. But yeah, so if you're looking at sort of um, its role to play, so the basal ganglia's role to play in Parkinson's, mm. I am I am getting back around. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bear with me. Um, so it's then. Um, so if you're looking at sort of the first primary pathway, so it gets. So most things get inhibited then because the primary pathway ends up being that inhibitory pathway. So the brake's taken off and so the other one, so it doesn't actually allow you to move as well. So all those pathways aren't actually getting through. So as that deteriorates, that's what causes that? Yeah, so you'll you'll end up getting, so as that deteriorates, that primary pathway, the secondary pathway inhibits a lot more. Mm -hmm. So that's why you get people that get really, um, it's called bradykinesia, which is slow movement. Um, You get freezing of gait, which is like they'll get to go up and start to walk and they won't, they won't be able to do it. And then they'll also get like rigidity, so muscle rigidity, so and tremor, so you know the um, resting tremor, which is quite well known with Parkinson's. But you also get like a cogwheel tremor. So if you're doing a passive movement where you're moving the arm or something, it'll just cogwheel out. Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's not smooth. Yeah, yeah so it's right. not smooth. So none of the movement gets smooth, and so it's all very sort of disjointed. So it's like a real big malfunction, a really big problem with Parkinson's, because even if you do replace the dopamine levels. Eventually, that still system still breaks down, and then you also get secondary side effects of having long-term dopamine synthetically put in through the body. Um, so then there's that as well. So if you're going back to where we're looking at the striatum, which is that um, sort of group of um, nuclei in the basal ganglia, the striatum's also got a role not just around motor components, but it's also got a role around um, so emotion, reward system, mm-hmm. all of that. Um, so actually having music entailed attached to movement then sparks that striatum pathway and that limbic system and that reward system changes the pathway to not go through to the thalamus and then the primary motor cortex it actually changes it to then go to the frontal cortex dispersing out you know from the auditory component and then you it's one of the few things music is that actually sort of sparks so many areas of the brain simultaneously yeah okay and so you're just rewiring essentially you're you're changing the way that the body would initially go about doing something basic like walking to then making it to the frontal area to then going okay i've now thought about how i'm moving and it actually bypasses that destructive or malfunctioning pathway in parkinson's which is actually quite amazing to see that um i know if we could if i could show you a video of just having some music on and you can see how quickly it changes yeah well we'll we'll put some links up in the description yeah yeah i can put up some links yeah Yeah. definitely but you know someone that can go from just being freezing and not being able to move can then suddenly start moving normally again and not just normally walking but dancing and 
showing emotion because actually Parkinson's has also got that emotional component too. So they get yeah. very masked faces and they don't, um, you know, they get a lot of depression, anxiety and all to do with that striatum component. Um, so all of that can be just rerouted and and you can actually get past it, which is actually quite amazing to something simple as playing music with movement mm-hmm. um, to change all of that, you know, rather than having, you know, things like lots of medication to which does have a lot of side effects. Yes. So um, for those... Uh, listening, Beck wrote a 48-page thesis on how dance movement therapy can help people with Parkinson's slash yeah. motor neuron disease, which we'll get a bit more into that a little bit later on because it's very interesting. But what drove you to get into that field in the first place? Did you have family members that were touched by it or something like that? Or you just... I mean, everyone's got sort of family members that are touched by certain health things. Um, but to be honest, when I started learning about the brain and how fascinating and how complex it was mm-hmm. unlike any other body system i was fascinated by it and i yeah. wanted to learn more around it and particularly the basal ganglia being quite complex probably the most complex part of yeah. the brain it's still quite primitive but it also is very complex in the way that it works yeah okay um, so cool. yeah that's why i was got into all of that yeah fantastic well our our favorite producer here julian also studied neuroscience so mate if you've uh, got any little nuggets of info that you want to chip in don't be afraid to just uh to yell out brother <laughs> yeah be my, um, go for it it's a, um, if i've probably mucked up how to explain it probably but yeah um, what uh we, we will get back to that a bit later but first we'll probably go a little bit more into your musical journey i suppose on how you got to where you are now um we like to play a little show and tell game here on this podcast so we're going to start off with a photo which people will find in the links but here's the first one it's a very <laughs> rainbowed out picture with a little logo in the bottom left beck's djing <laughs> it's got tff and hoo-ha beck what is tff well you'd know trent wouldn't you, you I do, top, top floor fridays top floor bendigo. fridays and yep. bendigo and bull street yeah that was i think actually the first night i'd played and i don't think um yeah looking at those headphones that are not even my headphones i think i just jumped on that evening yeah, right um which was quite fun in the end i was sort of thrown in the deep end a little bit i don't think so I was how did that even come about um i think um kev one of the djs there um just said he knew i was um sort of looking into it and everything yep. and i'd been sort of just doing it at home and he's like, get up here, Beck, and have a go. And yeah. I was like, oh, no, I didn't want to do it. And then he kind of coaxed me into it. What sort of tunes were you playing? Um, I think it was like it was actually still quite housey yeah. um, from what I remember. Yeah. Um, Kev's a bit more of a house DJ. It wasn't sort of the evening of the TFF is not always that sort of music. But yeah. um, I think because we were playing downstairs, it was a little bit more okay. um, chilled out. And I think that night was... One of their, oh, you'd be able to probably know more than I would in regards to the, you know, those nights that they have with the... The day parties? Either, what is it, the porn parties or something? Um, oh, the... They used to have the day... No, not the day party. It's not the day party. It's where they, um, it's like the, tri- like, whatever they call it, the tri- triple X party or something. Oh, okay. I don't know, like it's, it was something where you get dressed up in all like, um... Like bondage Yeah, like bondage sort of stuff. stuff. Like, yeah, yeah so, um... Okay. That's we're, me in a couple of little, um, I think I was a little bunny outfit that I was wearing. Oh, right. So did you have Dex at, at home? <laughs> uh, no, I had a friend's house. Um, okay. I've only owned Dex very previous, um, like not very long. I did mm. it when I you first started. You never leave me. your bedroom if you... Pardon? You never leave your bedroom if you had Dex. Yeah, no, nah, I wouldn't. So I sort of learnt on friends' Dex and then yep. once I kind of got the gist, I was playing sort of enough around Bendigo to yep. just... So did you become a residency at Hoo-Ha? Because like, Bendigo doesn't have a very massive techno scene as such, but back then there yeah. was... 
like their universal there was quite a few little venues that had it going yeah i sort of pushed it um a bit more like it was initially tff and then the perch was the other oh, one. Oh yeah of course which yeah. is the black swan hotel the black swan. Yeah, yeah yeah so i did a little bit um even then i was probably more deep house um yeah, and that's right. yeah. probably pushing more that sound and a little bit of the techno um in the later stages um but yeah initially i was more around that sort yeah, of deep house sort of sound tech housey yeah. sort of stuff um, Julie, if you can just flick up the next photo we've got. Uh, do you want to explain this one here with a, a nice, sprightly young boy with some curls? Uh, what, uh, what was the, the duo called there? You've done some hunting, Trent. I have. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one was when I first started sort of going, branching out and actually doing gigs um, around Bendigo and actually around rural Victoria. We did a lot around rural Victoria. It was with Jack and Jill, we were called. A very gimmicky name and sort of a very gimmicky sort of setup. But with Sasso Pink. It was, yes, yep. Yeah. So um, where else did you play around Victoria then? Um, we did Shep, yeah. We did... Achuka, maybe? Achuka, yeah. We did oh, all... Ballarat had that Wednesday night thing. Yeah, down yeah. There too, I think. Yeah, it's really going back quite a few years now um but yeah mainly those sort of areas just so you've done the grinds oh, yeah, I have, yeah. So, so how did you progress then into the well we'll get to the festivals a bit later on but the melbourne scene i guess initially the melbourne scene yeah the melbourne scene um i sort of started playing i can't remember even remember my first melbourne gig but i think i started playing sort of like a circus okay and those sort of venues yeah. and just sort of playing um, just getting to know sort of the scene that way and just sort of playing at some of the smaller venues yeah. and just getting to know the people. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I just started playing at those sort of venues and then worked sort of, I don't know, like I, I didn't really push it a hell of a lot because I was yep. studying at the time, but um, I just got asked to play at a few venues and then it just sort of snowballed from there. Yeah. So For those that are, I guess, playing like suburban house parties or country gigs and that sort of thing at the moment, like... Do you have any tips on sort of, I guess, networking your way into the scene? Like, is it like how much of it do you mm. find is technical skill versus people you know? It's it's kind of a blend. It is definitely a blend. There's definitely a blend. I mean, I was sort of coming from the angle that I let my music do a lot of the talking, so mm-hmm. I played less sets in and actually spent more time preparing yeah. for the sets and to show more musically that what sure. I was capable of doing. So, how, how do you prepare for a set? Is it like any um, key things you take into a account yeah definitely i mean um i obviously have a look at what sort of sounds that mm-hmm. you know the venue normally plays now that i'm a little bit um into the scene a bit more i yeah. tend to still stick to my sound now but initially i was sort of looking at yeah you adapt to the venue yeah you adapt to the venue yeah. and work out you know who's playing before you, who's playing after you kind of work out where you're sort of fitting in the evening yeah, of course. um and then from there sort of doing you know your research around sort of what music's good at the moment in that genre in that for that would fit that time slot and then sort of i sort of always sort of plan my sets out to be flowing nicely so yeah um i don't plan as in like i don't pick every track out sort of thing i sort of had playlists where i have Mm -hmm. certain genres and then i might have certain sub genres for each thing as well and And then just sort of new stuff as well versus old stuff. So I kind of, I think the key to actually having being prepared for a set is just having really good playlists. Yeah. Because you need to be adaptable at the end of the day anyway. Yeah. Because you might rock up to a, a set thinking that this is, will be the vibe and it's completely not. And it's happened several times for yeah, me. Sure. So it's good to be prepared that way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and do you try and have like, say, signature track or signature tracks that you might play consistently for? Like might be a couple of months or a few gigs in a row or... Yeah, I mean, um, initially... I guess that's probably just what songs you like at the time. Really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've tried to stick away um, from sort of playing some key, like lots of tracks over and over, like as in... Yep. 
I sort of made a goal for myself over the last sort of 12 months to play, not play the same song ever twice in a gig for 12 months, which has been quite a good challenge for myself. Yeah, but right. I mean, there's, there's pros and cons to doing that. Someone opened my eyes up to that concept that I sort of said that to them and they said, well, you know, then you're sort of feeding into that sort of um, nature that music's just a throwaway thing. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's a really good point that you make that, you know, maybe, you know, it isn't always about sort of, okay, let's find something new. Let's yeah. always create something different. Um, so I have sort of, I do have some key songs that, you know, everyone does sort of have those one or two songs that maybe no one else has that, you know, just sort of hidden bombs that you just want to, you know, I yeah. like this one, I'm going to play this one. And it you know, like it works well. A couple up your sleeve. Yeah. And you, just, you know, there's a the right time. And that, I guess yeah. that's what makes a good DJ is having that lifetime library. And yeah, And having that one in your back pocket that like, when this, the time's yeah. right. I'll put this, this one out. Rip, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Julie, next picture, please. We so we're moving from, I guess, the progression of the the country gigs, yes. um, more into the festival scene. So we've got a very rock and bet grandfather with <laughs> her sister and that man, Amanda. Yeah, yep. Amanda. Is this, uh, describe where this is. This is at Beyond the Valley, and I believe this was the second year. I've got a feeling this might have been the inaugural one. That, yeah, I, I might have been the first I one. I think I was with you at this one. Yeah, you know, you were. I'm yep. just trying to work out whether it was the first or the second. I think it might have been the first. I think you're right. It was, because the, um, the, it was very windy, remember? It was the, very the windy. The stage was like, yeah. stop a lot of the gigs. But you played the on... The main stage, yeah. yeah you, I just played it on that little local stage. Yeah, yeah. which was rocket. Yeah. Yeah, so, so was that your first festival gig? That was, that was my first festival gig, yeah. yeah yep. Beyond the Valley, the first year that they had opened up. And um, it was a versus set from memory, I think with Josh yeah that's um, right Josh Cat. yeah yes, yep. yeah so we did that and that was quite fun and so I've been back to Beyond the Valley since I think it's a great little festival I think it's a good mix of um, it's not you know I like going to the dual festivals yep. definitely but it's also quite a good opportunity to actually get a mix of different yeah. sounds like you can go see some yeah. really nice um it's that live acts and, into the, yeah, yeah so that sort of yeah you have got a lot of those commercial um artists but you know you yeah. can go throughout the day and go and sit and chill out and listen to someone playing something nice and ambient and then yeah. you can go and listen to something a little bit more hectic later on and i liked the way that they programmed it particularly as well yeah, okay mm. yeah so based so from that one uh you've been lucky enough to play rainbow babylon fill in the gaps for me please um, Did you play pitch? No, I haven't played at pitch. That's a hard one, that one. Um, I think I've played another festival and I can't think of what it is. Of it. No, I what think about it's... little doofy ones? Do you, do you get into many of them? Or... No, not a hell of a lot. I mean, it's I try and sort of stick to some... I'm trying to not do so many doofs. I'm just trying... Yeah. I did a lot of them last year and I, it, is, it is very exhausting. So I'm just trying to do some key ones this time. And I think there's another one. It must be. No, it must be those main three, I think. Yeah, sure. So, with your progression, I guess from a festival like Beyond the Valley, like who who are some of the key people that I guess have helped you get into, I guess those bigger festivals and and into. Um, well, now you've recently signed with Alter, which we'll get to later. But I guess who who do you see some of the key people around the Melbourne scene that have helped your career progress? Yeah, I mean, probably some of the key ones is. Um I mean, Tom Core from Beyond the Valley, he's been really helpful. Yeah. Um, and Sammy, they've been really good at sort of supporting me. I mean, other local DJs in the scene, mm. um, Sean Rolt, he's fantastic at yep. supporting me. Um, Market Memories? Yeah, Market Memories, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So a lot of it comes from, I think, the own, the own push from the DJs in the community. Yes. And they really push artists that they have, you know, that find them doing well. And I really love that about the, the DJ community that we've got um, in Melbourne. Everyone really supports each other really well. Yeah. 
So, yes, I mean, like even um, like Steve Blees, he's fantastic as well. Um, I guess um, Thad, Thad Lester's um, amazing. He's the guy that runs um, Rainbow. He's just got a great mindset towards everything. He's very respectful um, and, you know, is very humbled. Yeah, guys despite... are in it for the right reasons. Really, exactly, too. exactly that. Not just to make a quick buck. Yep, definitely. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah. So with uh, Rainbow yeah. and preparing a set, you've mm. uh, set that up very nicely for my next question. Actually. <laughs> uh, when you played at Rainbow this year, so 2018, yep. you were on the Sunset Stage, Friday night? Yeah, it was Friday night. Your set flowed just as you described, very well planned, fed the crowd nicely. And when you played Go by Victor Ruiz, that was a moment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we've talked before about creating the moment. Yeah. And building to that during a set. Mm. How, this is probably hard to answer, but like, how do you go about creating that moment? Because obviously, you don't want to just be slam, 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 slam. Like you, you built very nicely to that. Yeah. So do you have in your head that okay, when I plan this set, this song is going to be when everyone goes nuts, or no? I definitely don't do that. I mean. I sort of, that was, it was actually a really interesting set, the rainbow set from this year, um, following off the back And we found of, on SoundCloud at Big Grandpa. Coming out of last year's set, I was really happy with it and I had a lot of great feedback from it. And you were on the market stage the year before, were we? No, I was on the sunset, but I played early. So oh, that's right, you played that in the daytime. That's yeah, right. I played yeah. in the daytime. So it was sunset Friday night is probably one of the best local times you can have. I mean, I was so stoked to have it. Yeah. Looking out, I couldn't actually see... The, where the people stopped that's how many people were out in front and I was was not expecting that many people there but it was amazing to get up there but I was I was really nervous probably the most nervous I've been before a gig um, and yeah I mean probably the lead up to it I was trying to work out how I wanted to go about it I knew I wanted to it to be different quite different from last year but still have the same sort of touch about it as well um, having a look at the other artists of the evening and that sort of thing it was quite a heavy early lineup and I think Kids Table were playing before me. Um, Yeah, yep. So he did a really good job and it was coming into it, it was just a very um, whirlwind experience actually getting into Rainbow um, as you remember from this year that was pouring down with rain. Oh yeah, and then there was a fire. Stinking hot and then there was a fire and me coming and the fire had just started so lightning struck and I was coming into the festival at that time and I couldn't actually get into the festival. Oh really? They wouldn't let anyone in and I was at the front for about an hour hour and a half, two hours. Oh right. And they were like, oh we might have to evacuate and I was like thinking, I'm going to miss my, I'm going to miss my set. (laughs) This (laughs) is just going to be evacuate the whole festival but I'm going to miss my set. (laughs) Yeah, and and like my friends I was going down with um, their car broke down and so they didn't even make it for like the first night and so I was almost going to go with them so it was a very sort of like very sort of stressful lead up to coming into um, to getting in there and then I remember um, yeah Mitch playing from Kids Table and he played so heavy and it was awesome and but it was pouring down with rain it suited the vibe perfectly and I was like what am I going to do but here he, he finished with um, The Funk by Daft Punk he did. which kind of lightened the mood a he bit. did he did lighten it yeah. right up he did a great job he, I thought he played a really good set um, but I was just thinking it could easily go two ways here I'm like it is a very sort of rainy sort of let's get into it sort of vibe and I was like should I play heavier right now mm-hmm. and I was like no I mean they've got it was quite early in the evening I think it was like 6 o'clock or something so I was trying to work out um, well you've got We've got plenty of night ahead of us. You know, I don't want to be playing this too this heavy this early. Yeah. I was like, no, I need to be really. Um, I'd want to stick with my guns here, and I was like, no, I'm going to draw it right back. So I did. I drew it right back, and I played probably a very different set to a lot of other people that played that night. Um, 
which we have a little video of it on your Insta. Um, um, it is. We might have to do some it. searching down there. I thought, I, <laughs> I thought I found it amongst my search, but yeah, um, there is a video of it. Um, yeah. So getting back to your question, um, it, I didn't create. I didn't. I wouldn't. Wasn't anticipating creating a moment. I just. Thought, I wanted to wipe the slate clean. I wanted to give people that refreshing feel. The rain had started to lift, so the vibe was changing, and I wanted to create music that. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's the video. I wanted to create um, something that would refresh everyone. And I was like, right, let's just wipe the slate clean. And then I just sort of built upon it. And then I was just sort of reading the crowd and they were enjoying it. But then they were like, they wanted a little bit more, I could, I felt. Yeah. So that's when I was like, all right, now's the perfect time for go. And, and it did work. It worked really well. And it was a great moment. It was. Well, um, I don't know if it'll play, but... <laughs> <laughs> it was actually really good to see the crowd. Everyone just went boom. Which you could see from my angle, it was it was because literally the whole crowd and it was supposed to be over the right side. And it was just amazing. There was some, the sun was setting over at that side too. Yeah, it was awesome. It's my favourite set today. What other sets are up there on your favourites list? Um, what other sets are my favourites list? Um, yeah, Babylon was good. Um, picnic was picnic was fun. I mean, I enjoyed the set I played, and I like playing outdoors. I really do enjoy those um, outdoor venues. I think it sort of suits my sort of music as well. Yeah. Um, some other really good ones. I mean, it's really hard to sort of. And you're playing all the them again this year, aren't you? Yeah, uh, yeah. Picnic, Rainbow, Babylon. Yeah, Rainbow, Babylon. Um, yeah, I think they're the main ones. Cool. Yeah. Now let's get back into this paper that you wrote. Okay. Uh, which, so 48 pages on the, so it's called Beat Habilitation. See what you did there? <laughs> you girls are good at your puns, are you? Yeah. Um, the efficacy of active music therapy for people with Parkinson's disease, a systematic review and meta-analysis. So basically for how dance therapy can help people with like motor neurons disease, essentially. Yeah, so any sort of movement disease, really. And I looked specifically at Parkinson's disease for that reason that we touched on earlier around yep. how it's um, impacted in the brain. Sure. So you had over 1,300 participants. I think it was 23 randomised... Controlled trials. Yep. yep. So how do you go about getting, I guess, that many people involved? Like, yeah. Or, explain the process. Because like, over how long did this study go? So this is... So a systematic review is around sort of pulling sort of data from everywhere mm -hmm. so i worked with a um a, a therapist i'm um, sorry a professor in melbourne her name's meg morris and she's the leading researcher in parkinson's disease um okay. really worldwide she's quite renowned yeah awesome um so i started off this paper and then towards the end sort of touched base with her and sort of linked in with her because i was having a bit of trouble given the volume of it mm -hmm. Um, but in going back to the question about it being how many participants, so a systematic review involves really just um, doing a lot of searching around what's current evidence is out there, and then you sort of stratify it, pull it all together, stratify it, and pull all the data, mm -hmm. um, and then create a sort of a bigger, even better trial out of everything. Yeah, right. So it's the highest quality of evidence that you can bring to anything yeah. is a systematic review, particularly with a meta-analysis, because then it yeah. um, it actually sort of analyzes, reanalyzes, and then reanalyzes again. Yeah. 
all this data so it actually is quite um, high quality and can be taken quite seriously in terms of what it brings to the table or what their findings um, show so being that many uh, number of participants um, it was quite good because it meant that it was going to be a strong study Um, so it was it was actually quite good the results were fantastic and better than what I anticipated so it was showing I compared it to being a physiotherapist I was like I really enjoy you know the stuff that we do but there's more to it and how can we you know not just work on movement how can we impact the person holistically so I looked at this sort of research looking at the impacts of movement and music so mindfully moving in a way with music to how it impacts a person not just physically so not just looking at walking transferring all those aspects but looking at their quality of life looking at their cognitive function which is a big component in parkinson's looking at their mood um looking at the impact so the burden of care on carers Mm -hmm. so i looked at everything so i used the who icf model which looks at um the person holistically so using that model i then pulled all pulled all the data yeah and then moved it into areas of those who ICF models to then analyze everything as into, okay, comparing music and movement therapy um, to physiotherapy mm-hmm. or physical therapy yeah. or um, standard care. So they were the main ones. And then, so comparing those two, um, moving and music, so the, the beat debilitation component, so actually looking at music therapy with movement. Yeah came stronger across nearly all boards so not just physically but cognitively emotionally um it re- improved um it improved the social interaction too so if you're looking at you yeah. know what it actually means to actually do movement and music together well yeah. a lot of it was dance so a, you know dance classes those sort so of things essentially it's you wanted to see how people dancing and listening to music mm. it can help them is it what how is it healing or is it like the the how the rate of the disease doesn't impact as quickly and i guess what, what sort of tests are these people doing are they are you take them to like a like a dance like a little i picture like an old like retirement village hall like <laughs> the um people dancing listening to the tunes and like just popping around is that what, like what are they doing yeah okay so there's a few questions in there yeah, um, well, sorry. <laughs> that's all right I'll go, I'll, ba- I'll go back um and answer yeah. them Looking at so going back to that first question about um, how does it how do we actually what is it actually looking at so it's looking at um, how do I explain it it's it's looking at a lot of things and that's yeah. probably why the one of the biggest reasons this hasn't been published is because yeah. it's so big yeah. that no journal or literature article like will publish it mm-hmm. being this large. Um, but it takes away from the actual concept. So the aim of this was to look at music and movement therapy holistically. Yeah. So as opposed to someone doing rehab, mm. if they're just in a room, lift your arm, do this, do these muscle yeah. movements, compared to being in a, what, a group environment, music playing, doing yeah. the same repetitive movement, but in a, that different um, sure. a, a atmosphere? I guess, yeah. So, I'll bro- so that- looking at sort of... Um, so standard care, which being standard care is mainly yeah. medi- medical management. So looking mm-hmm. at the dopamine replacement medication, okay. um, which as I said in the past, the earlier you start taking that sort of medication, yeah. the earlier it stops working yeah, and the course. earlier that you actually get side effects. So yeah. you actually get more um, freezing of um, gait. So that's stopping mm-hmm. of movement and you get more psychosis and those sort of things. So yeah. 
Um, so first of all, it proved a lot better, obviously, yeah. than just having medical management, which we already knew because there's a lot of studies out there that physical yeah. therapy was better than just medical yeah, management. Yeah, sure. So the main one I wanted to look at was comparing it to normal physical therapy, being physical therapy being that, well, let's just have a look at then um, normal physical therapy would entail just moving, so doing exercises, so squats, mm -hmm. yeah. um, stepping over cones, step taps, sort of things looking at dynamic balance. So yeah. we still do a lot of that sort of stuff in physical therapy and we mm -hmm. do target what they need to work on. Yeah. But one thing I found, particularly with Parkinson's, is it didn't engage them. Yeah. It wasn't enjoyable. Yeah. And also I felt that we weren't really addressing the, the main key problems. So mm -hmm. we can build up their strength, but yeah. it's not a strength problem. Yeah. They have the strength, they just don't have the coordination for the movement. Yeah. Um, and that's what comes back to that basal ganglia function. So it's, yeah. it's that traffic light, the basal ganglia, to yeah. say, oh, it's, what do I need to do, what do I not need to do? It's fine-tuning that movement. Mm -hmm. So it is more about that coordination of movement. So like, how do we tap into that a bit more? So the music and movement sort of side of things mm -hmm. entails mainly dance, yes. Yeah. Um, so first of all, you're, up, you're upright, so you're standing, yeah. and then you're moving to mu music, so you've got to get that coordination of movement. Yeah. Now dancing is quite complex mm. as it is in terms of an exercise if you yeah, think about what's you want to dance for <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it does look quite complex doesn't it <laughs> um it's mainly you know you have to think about weight shifting so you're shifting your weight you're standing yeah. on one leg so that's um and then you're shifting your weight so you're dynamic balance yeah. you're using your balance reactions to if you're overbalanced then you actually have to counteract that yeah. and then you're often stepping quite quick as well so you're moving um, and controlling that movement yeah. then you've got the music component so that you've actually got to follow through the music so you've got another target to yeah. actually move to yeah well i guess if you're really just doing key. that that exercise in a quiet room by yourself all your focus is on that that's all you're thinking about yeah whereas when it's with the music it's more fun you're probably flowing and you could probably do it more subconsciously, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it does change. As I said, we, like when we, we talked about the basal ganglia role and having that music component, it actually changes the way that we're actually moving. Then we're mm -hmm. engaging more aspects of our brain, so engaging multiple areas of the brain as soon as you start adding in music, mm -hmm. and particularly with movement was the key component there. And so, you know, you've started by doing all of that, it then um, engaged most more areas of the brain. It actually smooths the movement. So you, the movement quality got a lot better. So looking at the outcomes of the trials. Yes. So balance measures got a lot better. Uh, the walking quality got a lot better. Their um, strength got a lot better. The transfer quality. So particularly sit yes. to stand or turning or walking through doorways, any transitional sort of movements mm -hmm. in Parkinson's tends to lead to a lot of freezing yeah. or um, sort of stuttering of gait, yep. um, which smooths all of that out, which is really good. Um, and particularly, particularly what worked really well as well, cognitively was yeah, right. amazing. It, it improved the cognition a lot more. Because um, there's a lot of a Parkinson's that has a lot of um, dementia and Alzheimer's component to it as well when yep. it starts attacking those areas of the brains yeah. as well. So cognitively improved a lot more. You've got that social engagement. So you've got people coming in to do this sort of thing. Often it's with their partners, their loved ones. They're mm -hmm. dancing with a partner or the group of people. And so they're engaging with their yeah. loved ones again. You know, yeah, they're so able to stand there, you know, and, and often music actually engages those areas of the brain that yeah. where memory is deteriorating, that it sparks that component of memory. And so yeah. the carers, of, um, and, and, you know, the, we often hold the biggest burden in these sort of diseases and yeah, right. family members. And they're, you know, the, the improvement that they saw and they felt was also, um, significantly and clinically really relevant yeah. as well. And then you've got the other measures as well, which come down to, you know, quality of life. Um, it comes down to um, reduce it? the disease progression. So, sorry, coming back to that question about how do we track whether it's actually changing the brain. Well, it's changing the brain. Um, there's not a lot of real... Um, 
research that actually looks particularly at the structures of the brain post this sort of in involvement, okay. which is the area that I want to actually get into after this. Um, but there's been a lot of research on how m m moving to uh, like a, a metronome or um, to some sort of beat yeah. does change the brain. They've been able to study that because they can get you an MRI or, you know, fMRI to study that in real time because mm -hmm. it doesn't, you can be there and tapping your finger to some music, whereas yeah. you can't be st stuck in a F fMRI sh yeah. machine while dancing. It doesn't work. So that's been the one big trouble is we don't have the actual um, yeah, technology to, to be able to study this fully, which I think is probably the biggest key as to why this Parkinson's hasn't been resolved yet yeah. or, um, you know, we haven't found a cure for it yet because yeah. we don't have the technology yet. What kind of music were they playing, do you know? So there was quite a variable amount of music and this was quite hard to track properly. Yeah. Um, it was quite poorly done, this component of the research. Yeah. Um, a lot of it was... Um, yeah, sort enough, of, enough about the science part, just track what sort of tunes they like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, are they, what are they listening to? Yeah. <laughs> what do we need to be listening to? <laughs> no, it was more around um, age-specific music, so this music that was really sort of in their era that they were you know, yeah. young and dancing. They held, held a lot of components yeah, of memory too. that with the nostalgia and the memory. Yeah, that component, it sparks that. It does yeah. have to have a beat to it. So there's been a lot of research around, you know, just adding music to... Yeah, so it to, could just be like a light yoga type yeah. meditative music. It had to be like... It actually, that sort of music has actually been shown in some studies to be um, worse off. Oh, really? Yeah, so it does have to have a strong sort of what we call beats um, salience. So actually yeah. looking at some strong component of beats so they actually yeah. have that, that really movement component. So yeah, yeah. techno So in other words, take do a side trance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know how they got side trance. It's very, very fast BPM. So. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe techno, maybe house. <laughs> yeah. Um, do they look at what frequencies... I guess that's why I ask what type of music. Like, um, the different frequencies affect different parts of the brain? Because yeah. um, like, I'm very interested in what frequencies can help heal different parts of our soul and mm. I could go into lots of depth about this yeah but that's probably another so like the binaural waves and everything yeah, yeah. So you've got to have the alpha waves when you sleep yeah. to help you focus and, yeah definitely um, but, so did you notice um, I guess if you don't know what music they're playing but, uh, but uh, your research I have looked there, at that yeah, yeah no, is there I different have, frequencies that hit different that, parts yeah of the brain? particularly because there's been some newer research around this and this is still quite um, poorly done as well as um, poorly explained as well in the literature that's out yeah is that there is it's usually beta waves that are, are malfunctioning in Parkinson's. Yeah, is that around like eight to twelve hertz? Yeah, no, I think it's twelve to fourteen, twelve to sixteen. I think. Yeah, okay. Yep. Isn't it? You probably know more than me. I'm sure Julian can, can do a quick Google for us. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Get to work um, <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it is the beta waves from memory that are the ones that are malfunctioning in Parkinson's. So I think they're actually overactive. So the beta waves are running too high. So when you start to add in other waves of music yeah. or components that um, it was, it does actually dull it down. Uh, drag up. So beta waves... There's a neural oscillation, which is the technical term for brainwave in the brain, with a frequency range between 12 and a half and 30 hertz, which is, yeah, 12 and a half to 30 cycles per second. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so around that. exactly what you described. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't quite on the mark. Okay, I was a little bit off. <laughs> um, so, but, but, uh, but, you, but you do see how they, I guess... Yeah, I mean, that's a really, really interesting area of topic yeah. because if you're looking at sort of... Um, the deep brain stimulation, for example, that they're starting to do in um, Parkinson's, that does uh, work along, along those lines. And so my theory around sort of adding the music component and looking at those um, musical waves is, well, how can we, you know, 
deep brain stimulation is quite invasive. You know, it involves neurosurgery. They open up the skull, they attach something inside the brain mm-hmm. and down through. It's usually up around the collarbone region is the actual um, pacemaker compartment of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah right. so the deep brain stimulation, yeah. which does a similar thing. And now they started doing transcranial stimulation too, which is over the top of the head, mm-hmm. um, which I was lucky to have a go at, which is quite interesting. Oh, really? What does it feel like? Um, so depending on what area it's hovering over, you can um, facilitate a... a movement um anywhere so you can um, particularly if it's more close towards the middle of your head then you start to get facial twitches which is really bizarre and felt really weird but if you move it out towards the side and you're looking at sort of over over where the ear sits so it's sort of the middle component of the brain so where the primary motor cortex is um so if you're looking sort of if it's over the top right at the central part of the skull then you start to get the facial twitch if you um initiate that sort of transcranial stimulation right. if you move it to the side a little bit more you tend to get upper limb twitching and then the further you go down you get the leg and that sort of thing so there was that's more really designed for people who've had like strokes they've been looking at sort of mm-hmm. looking at okay if we if we hover over this region we send it an impulse and it facilitates the movement well we know that that movement pattern's there still we know that that part of the brain's not dead yeah. and then then therefore then that component can be rehabilitated versus if you hover over it and it's not facilitating any movement or muscle contraction you know that that cell is quite dead and the chances yeah. of rehabilitating it are quite low so that's probably where that area is being researched mainly at the moment but here's, it's not to say that you know down in the track that these sort of things can't be looked at for Parkinson's but particularly being non-invasive music can be still quite facilitating those brain waves yeah so See, now what intrigues me about this whole part of the science I suppose is when mm. it comes to producing the tunes and when you are trying to connect with people mm. um, like I've got this little list here from my um, late night googling yeah. <laughs> which that doesn't sound like it's going to be a healthy topic but um <laughs> so I, I found like basically about seven or eight different key frequencies yeah which if you listen to them um so you'll, you'll have like a, a tone like like the alpha or the beta waves yeah where so for example 396 hertz can help turn grief into joy mm. um 417 is supposed to cleanse traumatic experiences 528 is the natural frequency of the earth and repairs dna 638 enhances communication and strengthens relationships and I can go on and on but um, I guess if there's there's that side of it that can help heal the soul if there's also that scientific side that connects with the brain and they intertwine when creating the tunes if you have those key frequencies in mind can you like, actually change it? Can you yeah. actually impact people? Like, obviously, when you make a song, you, you know what sounds nice or what feels nice. Mm. And it's probably exactly the same as these frequencies, but just creating it with that science of it in mind to impact the listener more directly. Yeah. I guess it's basically trying to hypnotize your audience. Yeah, but, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, but it's, it is a really good um, topic, of, and it is quite an interesting topic and really not studied at all. Mm. Um, and if done, done very poorly. Um, it's, it comes down to, again, the technology isn't there to really um, study that fully. Um, and people, a lot of the people that are in science, you start to lose them when you start to look at more abstract trains of thought yeah um so you tend to lose a lot of the scientists around that area and also the funding so you're yes, thinking about the funding side of things yep. massive issue with research and 
unless it's a big issue and you've shown good results, they won't give you the funding. And if you're looking at studying how that impacts the brain and looking at it quite closely, so if you're using like an fMRI machine, you're looking at millions of dollars of research needed to look at just using that piece of equipment for the research. We just don't have the funding there for those sort of things yet. Um, So once technology advances and these things become more accessible, I don't doubt that these sort of things will be researched further. Um, so for any of our lovable listeners who may have someone who is impacted by Parkinson's or um, I guess some of the things you've described, uh, based on your research that their doctor or whatever may not be aware of, mm. how can they take into account what we've just discussed to help their situation? Probably the biggest key thing is anything where you're moving mindfully Yes. So you're thinking about your moving because at the end of the day, that's what changes the pathway. That's what brings the frontal lobe into play, changes the role of the basal ganglia and differs that away from that. So is it something as simple as if they are doing rehab um, and doing their exercises, have music playing and just do it to music? Yeah, and also be thinking about... nostalgic music. Yeah, so having you know, having that music component definitely won't hurt. Um, yeah. If you're looking at any of the sort of the research around it, there's a um, there's a guy and I, his name escapes me now, but uh, he has a playlist for every different type of exercise, uh, activity he does. So he has a playlist okay. for washing the dishes, he has a playlist oh, for right. walking, he has a playlist for all sorts of things, um, yeah. which is quite interesting. So you yeah. know, but probably the biggest thing, if you're not sure what to do, um, you've just been recently diagnosed with Parkinson's, mm-hmm. um, to get moving. Yeah to get moving probably better in a coordinated way. So yoga or um, dancing, probably the big ones, Pilates, all those sort of things where you're actually really having to think about how you move, having to think about contracting your muscle, having to think about changing the way you move. Yeah, okay. Particularly change as well because if you start doing, you know, the same exercise over and over, well, you're not actually thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not changing those pathways. It's not challenging enough. So you need to be changing the way you move and thinking about the way you move. And so if it's your grandma, for example, instead of putting on commercial radio for them to do it to, maybe find that old Johnny Cash or Alva CD for them to bring up some of the nostalgia and re-trigger those memory lanes. I mean, we always exercise some music when we go to the gym or those sort of things. So why doesn't anyone else tend to do that? Yeah, exactly. Um, So last thing on this topic, I guess, is what's what's next in your step in this research? Like, are you focused on other aspects now or are you still going further into this? I know you mentioned something before. Yeah, I mean, I did another paper um, which was published. It was looking at um, Alzheimer's and dementia Mm -hmm. um, with the same topic, um, which did get published because it was a smaller paper. Um, But other than that, now that I'm working full time, I haven't really pushed the paper. Um, The reason I didn't um, push on and publish it was because I'd have to cut out um, I was told either to leave the physical component and take everything else out, so looking at the physical side of things, which really just took away from the aim of the paper. So yeah, I was right. like, no, I'm just going to leave it and not publish it. Yep. Um, but I'll probably down the track will pick up and do a proper PhD on it and actually look at probably more intrinsically what's going on in the brain um, because that's probably one of the areas that's really under-researched and looking at probably also from my just curiosity too as to yep. what's going on here a bit more. So that would be probably where I'd head with it. Yeah, awesome. So now back to some more show and tell. Yep. Until the end. Surprise us with one. Oh, what we've got here is we've got Beck with a dashing man with a beard. Who Ooh. is this fellow? Would you be able to say? Enrico Santuliano. Exactly. <laughs> um, so this was at a gig at my Aeon, is that right? No, it was a gig at, um, it was a gig at Brown Alley. Oh, yes, correct. Yeah. Yep. yep. And uh, talking about, I guess, career moments and stepping stones, like 
idols that you looked up to, some of the big names you've supported. I guess where does he rank on on that list of? He's definitely up there. I mean, yep. um, he's also a really lovely person. And we went out for dinner beforehand, and he was just talking about Italy, which is one of probably my favourite areas to travel to. Yeah. Um, and he was definitely someone I really enjoyed playing before. Um, his pre- his latest EP is fantastic. He's oh, really sort of taken, a, yeah, mm. yeah, really sort of taken a little bit of a, mel- a melodic sort of um, yeah. hit it, on that again, one. Again, just more depth of thought into the production as well. Mm, which, definitely, um, yeah, jump on his web. Yeah, and his album art's fantastic too. I really enjoy that as well. Yeah. Uh, so, other than Enrico, uh, like what other I guess big acts have you supported that you really just like froth the gig and were just pumped for it and <laughs> just <laughs> killed it? Um, Press play. <laughs> Press play. <laughs> yeah, um, I think recently. I really enjoyed warming up for 16-bit latest, so that was really good at XE. That was XE, yep. Yep, that was really good. Um, um, Oliver Oliver Shores was really good, the novel gig. Um, that was also at Brown Alley. Uh, I really enjoyed that crowd. Um, he played a great set as well, so that was really good fun. Yeah. Really, and I, I really was really happy with that set too, so that was a really good gig. Um, Pig and Dan, also really good. That was yep. fun at Revs. That was... Um, played a bit heavier that night. That was good, though. That's, uh, yeah, well, playing the heavies is the fun. Yeah. Um, you've been, you, you have earned the right, I guess, to play at basically Melbourne's most prestigious venues. Um, they've all got their own unique, I guess, sound. Is there any, I guess, sound systems that stand out to you? or, or Well, I guess, first of all, venues that you, like, just when you get the gig there, like, you're just extra pumped for it because of the sound quality, but then also the mm, vibe? Yeah. Um, so probably sound quality wise, I really enjoy um, out at my Aeon. Yes. I, I like the sound system there; it's yeah. really good. Um, Very clean. It's not, yeah, it's also it's also a really well set out um, venue as well. There's a you know something like Revs has got a really good name for itself, but in terms of its layout, you're thinking about where the bar is, where the toilets are, yeah. where the dance floor is. It is quite. Traffic-wise, it's not well yeah, set out. Yeah. Um, so for that reason, I like my Aeon. I mean, XE have just put in a new sound system, which sounds pretty good. Yeah, sick. Because um, I do like that venue, although the sound system did let them down the pass, but they've yeah. recently pushed that, which is really yeah. good because Melbourne was sort of being let down from in the music scene by a lot of the venues and by the sound quality particularly. So yeah. it's good to see that they're actually pushing that. I think Brown Alley have recently done up their yeah, sound system theirs. too. I know, like, I know Bloom opened and they put in first-class system as well. Yeah, yeah. The throttle guys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, um, I've been meaning to go out and have a look at that, actually. And I haven't been to Sookie Lounge, but I heard that that's pretty good as well. I'm playing there tonight, but yeah. I don't know. That's supposed to be pretty good as well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier about Italy. Mm-hmm. Julian, mm-hmm. next picture, please. <laughs> uh, the nice Italian landscape. It so is. So you travelled over there. Did you live there for a bit or was it just a holiday? So I went over there for a few, quite a few months. I think it was probably three months or so. Um and I went over and did a, a placement, so advanced neuroplacement mm-hmm. at um, Villa Margarita, it's called, um, <laughs> in Vicenza. No you ended up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in, in um, Vicenza, which is just outside of, just outside of Venice. Um, it was a movement disorder facility, mm. so it's um, specifically designed for neurorehabilitation, oh, awesome. which was quite cool to see um, how not only a different country does rehabilitation, mm. but also just specifically the neuro side of things. And there was some really odd and rare conditions that I got to got the chance to work with. Yeah, and okay. it just really made me see how little language is actually needed to rehabilitate people as well, yeah, being right. my little Italian <laughs> knowledge of um, language. Um, but actually just having a look at how just movement and touch and being there and facilitating that movement can yeah. create just as much of a difference and it was quite interesting to see how 
the setup versus Australia, how we do rehab, I think mm. is quite poorly done looking at how the Italians do oh, it. So interesting. Mm, it's so, quite interesting. Did you have to get any gigs over there? <laughs> no, I didn't. I went over for a, uh, went over for, for that specifically, and then I went on for a bit of a travelling. I did um, hide out a car and did some travelling all the way up from north to south Italy, and it was fantastic. I'd definitely go back there in a heartbeat. Yeah, awesome. Um, what's your favourite gig that you played? Oh, it would definitely be Rainbow this year, Sunset Stage. It was phenomenal. Yep. I think it was like five thousand over five thousand people just dispersed out over this amazing scene of colour. Especially early in the festival, it's good because that energy and the vibe of everyone just everyone just got there. Going. Everyone was finally energy. got their tent set up. We're yep. finally like getting going. This fire's been put out. We're ready to yep. go. Yep, and the sun's setting. And there was a rainbow that came out. And oh, rainbow right, at sunset. Yeah. It was perfect. Um, where have where have you yet to play that you would like to play? Uh, probably the big one on the cards is Pitch. I think that would be a good one to break, a difficult one. Um, but that would be a good festival to play at. Okay. Um, it's probably high on the agenda. I'd like to play... Um, I'd like to play... Um, about- Subsonic. Subsonic is actually... Subsonic is yeah, cool. someone that I'd really like what to... What about internationally? Internationally. Do you have any goals for anything like that? Or- um, definitely. It'd be hard work-wise, though, um, yeah, with my work. Um, I'd love to go over to Italy and play... Yeah, well, there you go. That'd you can go back to Italy and you can do your follow-up on your rehab patients. Yeah, well, they offered me, they offered me a PhD over there, but yeah, they don't get Re- anywhere near as pay, much pay over here. You're up in Rico while you're there and you can yeah. play a few gigs with him and get in his studio and then yeah. you won't have to work. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. There we go. Um, so uh, as far as the production side goes, uh, yep. do, are you looking at producing more uh, coming up? Because that's, I guess, you technically being just more of a DJ in the past yeah you? yeah definitely um, the recent project you're working on is the sounds of obscure emotions that's right yeah which there's uh, about a 90 minute set that's on Beck SoundCloud which again we'll have the links to yeah, um, yeah. so how did that come about um, that one came about um, just me being at home and um, I've got a really sort of side to me that I really enjoy like classical and ambient and sort of lo-fi electronic sort of sounds yeah and I really wanted to play them more and actually listen to the layout of them and just have a, something to listen mainly at home is yeah. just have like a set that all the songs that I really enjoy. And mum can listen to. Yeah, mum, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was for mum, really, yeah. <laughs> um, so I thought, oh, I'll yeah, just... Merry Christmas, mum. Yeah. I made you a mixtape. Mixtape, yeah. <laughs> I'll mixtape and never go astray. <laughs> um, so I thought, well, why not just make you know, a set around that sort of concept? And then I thought, well, why not push it further and just have a look at sort of you know how and sort of the, the other main thing that I haven't really pushed with it is sort of every sort of month I'll be doing one of is actually a new one that I've just put up yesterday um but it's exploring sort of an abstract emotion and its role in the in the human body um how it sort of goes about sort of neurally and sort of from just from the body systems perspective perspective mm-hmm. as well um so I've decided to do that a little bit as well so it's got a little bit of a touch of that I just wanted to push a little bit more of the knowledge side of things and educate people a little bit more and on how they can understand their bodies a little bit more because I think once we understand how things work what's going on we can be feel more comfortable in you know something that might feel a bit unfamiliar yeah so then we know how to nurture them look after them through the week so we can abuse them at the dance floor on the weekend yeah exactly (laughs) the bars Um, so now a question that is going to become a trend on this series that we finish up with Mm. is now, I will give you time to ponder this one. Okay. If you could ask anyone in history, dead or alive, any question, who would you ask and what would the question be? So to give you an example, it could be, God, why are we here? It could be, 
mum, where did that take you on your first date? Okay. It could be Wow, anything. very broad. So whilst you ponder that, mm. um, for those who want to check out any of Beck's live sets, get on her SoundCloud. It's Beck Grenfell. Uh, she's got the Rainbow one up there. She's got Babylon, uh, the uh, Sounds of Obscure Emotions as well as uh, Beyond the Valley, uh, Picnic. If Basically, if you want to hear Beck's... Uh, soothing, sexy, dancey, floaty, all of her range of tunes. Uh, get on her SoundCloud. The Instagram is Beck underscore Grenfell as well, so you can check out the video if you scroll down a little bit of uh, when she played Go at Rainbow. There's the clip on there amongst many others, as well as some of her cool visual art and also just funky behind the scenes of the life of Beck. Is there anything I've missed? No, you've done really well, too. Oh, and Alta. Recently signed to Alta oh, as well. Yes, which, yep, uh, I have, when yep. planning the guests for this series, I had uh, Shannon hands down Maroney on last week, and somehow between me booking you guys and actually getting around to having you in to do interviews, you're both signed to Alta in two weeks. So <laughs> yeah. whilst this isn't an Alta podcast, uh, Alta obviously getting the right people, or I am, something, something like that. Yeah. Okay, who, who are you asking the question to? Oh, okay. Very tricky one, but seeing as we're on the t- topic of music, I'd probably ask um, Seven Bodzin how he went about creating his unique sound and how he went about his melody side of things. So I think melody is quite a challenging thing to get right in a in a musical, any sort of musical track. Um, so probably I'd love to sit down with him and, and watch how he does things because also he's just so passionate about what he does. So that's what, the other thing. What, what do you think his answer or his thought process might be? I think he'd give me something sort of cryptic to... I just want to touch the people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not sure. That's what I'd love to sit down. Yeah. I had... well, he played at Let Them Eat Cake to mm. open the year. Yeah. Um, I was having breakfast on one side of the venue and he was on the other side and I didn't want to go and ask him that question, although it was on my mind. No, you time. should have. You should have. <laughs> <laughs> no, he played at Beyond the Valley too um, on the New Year's Eve which was fantastic. It was a great set. He's a sight to not only hear, but definitely see live. Isn't he is. He, yeah, he really he gets is. gets into it like none other, other than perhaps yourself, who <laughs> uh, Do get into self-proclaimed it a is uh, <laughs> a sight to see on the, on the stage. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks for coming in. Thanks, um, We'll have links to all those photos uh, in the description, as well as to Beck's Insta and SoundCloud. Another thing before we go, thank you very much for being here. And as I like to do with all my guests, um, a nice little bottle of Cab Sav for you. Oh, uh, now, this is not a promo, but uh, being both from Bendigo, you're from the uh, dirty side of Stratfield, oh, say. Right, yeah. um, so this one here ties in nicely with where I'm from. So there's <laughs> the a old nice, Eagle Hawk, nice hey? uh, bottle of Eagle Hawk Cab Sav for oh, you. Thanks, so thank you for coming in and enjoy that one. Thanks very much. And uh, we'll uh, look forward to having a boogie on the dance floor with oh, you. Oh, definitely. Mate. We'll catch up soon. And thank you very much for listening. See you next week. Thanks for having me. All right. Merci beaucoup. Vamos. <laughs> Thanks again to Beck Renfell for coming in and being part of this week's Techno Beat. Before we go, I'd also like to just say a couple of big shout outs to some listener feedback. Hello. We had Kay Birchall hit me up and he just said he'd been hanging out for a podcast like this where someone just talks to DJs because on his way to work at 7am, he's not in the mood for heavy tunes, but he still wants that fix. So thanks Kay for the shout out there. And also to Azza Perkins, who said he loves what we're doing and uh, is keen to hear about more in the techno scene. So good on you, Kate and Azza, for, uh, for downloading and uh, giving me a bit of feedback. Hello. I really appreciate it, guys. Any other comments, feel free to uh, hit me up on the website. And thank you for downloading. Have a great day. Abrogados. Vamos. Go Sixers. Go Braves.